Have you been stressed, anxious, or worried? Have you felt pangs of loneliness in recent times? Are you longing for greater connection with others in the world around you? In a phrase, are you looking for happiness? You are not alone. Millions of others are seeking this feeling of spiritual, mental, and physical wellness too. This podcast explores the underlying causes of unhappiness and shares with us the secrets of rewriting the frequent thoughts and redirecting the common behaviors that keep us in that state. Join forensic psychologist and best-selling author Dr. Nihal and her guests as they dive deep in the realm of psychological wellness and explore ways of finding happiness on demand. Thank you for joining us, and I'm here with Dr. Joan Nihal, clinical psychologist, and today's topic is narcissism. What is narcissism? Narcissism, I'm going to go to my Bible, which is our DSM-5, or the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. And here is a definition, Alan, of a narcissistic personality disorder, okay? A pervasive pattern of grandiosity, either in fantasy or behavior, need for admiration, and lack of empathy. It starts in early adulthood, and presents in a variety of contexts as indicated by five or more of the following symptoms. One, has a grandiose sense of self-importance. For example, exaggerates achievements and talents, expects to be recognized as superior without commensurate achievements. Two, is preoccupied with fantasies of unlimited success, power, brilliance, beauty, or ideal love. Three, believes that he or she is special and unique and can only be understood by or should associate with other special or high-status people or institutions. Four, requires excessive admiration. Five, has a sense of entitlement, that is, unreasonable expectations of especially favorable treatment or automatic compliance with his or her expectations. Six, is interpersonally exploitative. In other words, exploits other people. Uh, that's an important one, by the way, because the person will take advantage of others to achieve his or her own ends. Seven, lacks empathy. That is, unwilling to recognize or identify with the feelings or needs of others. Their frame of reference is themselves. Seven, is often envious of others or believes that others are envious of him or her. The last one is shows arrogance, haughty behaviors or attitudes. Now, the question that emerges is, is there a difference between overt and covert narcissism? Well, it's not really clear in the literature, however, why narcissistic behavior is sometimes displayed in covert behavior rather than overt ways, we're not quite clear on that yet, okay? Some situations might trigger a covert narcissist, and here are some examples. Being ignored, feeling disrespected, threats to their ego, feelings of shame, being around high-status people, feeling less attractive or less educated than others, having less of something than others, not getting the attention they think they deserve, jealousy, lack of control. So to recap, covert narcissism is characterized by the same behaviors of overt narcissism that we just discussed. And it's displayed in less obvious, more subtle ways. 
The exact causes for this are not known, but genetics and early relationships may play a role. Look, they navigate the world with a sense of self-importance and low self-esteem. They fantasize about success and grandeur. Malkin, a researcher, points out that the traits of covert and overt narcissism are really the same. And that's been proven in the literature, by the way. It's really the same. I say from my my take on it is that it's an, a disorder of low self-esteem. That's why it manifests in these ways. Now, the question that will emerge is, how do you spot them? You know, the listener is probably saying to you and I, well, how do I know if a person's a narcissist? Well, here are some questions that I created for you to look at. Do they consistently need admiration and validation from others? Do they lack empathy and struggle to care about the feelings of others? Do they manipulate others to achieve their own goals? Are they prone to envy and resentment? when others achieve success or happiness? Do they have a grandiose sense of self-importance and entitlement? Do they frequently interrupt or dominate a conversation, steering the conversation back to themselves? Do they become angry or defensive when criticized? Do they consistently downplay or disregard others' achievements and feelings? Now, look, those are some really good questions to ask yourself if you want to spot a narcissist. But like I said before, they tend to deny anything that puts them in a negative light. And if they can't deny, they'll dismiss it like saying, well, you're just being hysterical. You're just being a drama queen if if they're talking to a woman. They devalue others' feedback as such. And they tend to frame things so that they're always in the right. So if you're married to a narcissist, perhaps the only option if you're facing severe mental abuse is a divorce. And that's been proven in the literature too. Dr. Romani talks about that quite extensively in her YouTube videos, which I recommend that you look at. Now, here's the question, Alan. How do you differentiate between healthy self-esteem and narcissistic self-esteem? One, with healthy self-esteem, that's really involving having a realistic view on yourself, a positive view of yourself, but not it's, infl- it's not inflated. You feel good about your, your self-worth and your abilities. You're able to maintain a balanced perspective of both your strengths and your weaknesses. Healthy self-esteem allows us to have confidence in our abilities to set ourselves up for success by setting realistic goals, acknowledging that we might fail at times, and it's associated with emotional resilience, emotional well-being, and the capacity to form healthy relationships. Now, here are some key differences between healthy self-esteem and narcissistic behavior. Let's look at the source of self-worth. With healthy healthy self-esteem, self-worth comes from an internal sense of self-worth based on self-acceptance and self-compassion. Narcissistic behavior, on the other hand, relies on external validation, admiration, and praise to bolster self-esteem. Empathy. With healthy self-esteem, you can empathize or genuinely relate to others. You can care for other people's feelings. 
Narcissistic behavior, on the other hand, often involves a, a lack of empathy, as narcissists tend to prioritize their own needs and desires over those of others. They come first. What about relationships with other people? Healthy self-esteem contributes to positive and fulfilling relationships because individuals with healthy self-esteem tend to look at other people and gauge their relationship in in relation to other things in their lives. It's not just all about them. They show respect and they value other people. Whereas with narcissistic behavior, that usually leads to dysfunctional relationships because the relationships are characterized by manipulation, exploitation, and a sheer lack of reciprocity. They'll give you something, but only if they think there'll be something in it for themselves. There's no such thing as unconditional giving. And what about criticism? With healthy self-esteem, we accept constructive criticism and learn from our mistakes because it doesn't threaten our self-worth. Narcissistic behavior, on the other hand, often results in a defensive reaction to criticism as it challenges the narcissist's fragile self-esteem. And that's an important point, the fragility of their self-esteem. Motivation. With healthy self-esteem, we're motivated to set and pursue realistic goals with a focus on self-improvement and personal growth. But narcissistic behavior is driven by a desire for external validation, achievement, and superiority, a sense of entitlement. While healthy self-esteem is a positive and necessary psychological attribute, narcissistic behavior is characterized by an excessive need for external validation, lack of empathy, and a focus on entitlement. They're better than the rest of the world. Now look, recognizing these differences is crucial for understanding and navigating these relationships. I call it swimming with barracuda, and you're hoping and praying you don't get bitten, okay? Now, how do these narcissistic traits develop? What's that trajectory? People have often asked me, well, how do they develop? We know in DSM, as I quoted just now, that they manifest themselves in early adulthood, but how does it, what's its trajectory? Narcissistic traits typically develop over time and are influenced by a combination of genetic, environmental, and psychological factors. So let's look at early childhood experiences because that's where the story starts. Parenting styles. Narcissistic traits could be influenced by parenting styles. For example, excessively indulging parents where a child is overpraised and overvalued, and this will contribute to the development of narcissistic traits. Conversely, neglectful or overly critical parenting can also play a role. Excessive praise for children who are consistently praised for their accomplishments and not taught to cope with failure or criticism. These kids can come to expect constant admiration and develop an inflated sense of self-worth. Their cultural factors, societal values and cultural norms can contribute to narcissistic traits. Uh, and I'm talking about cultures that em emphasize individualism like ours, competition and material success. Individuals may be more prone to developing narcissistic tendencies if these are the cultural norms. Then there's peer relationship. Peer interactions during childhood and adolescence can impact the development of narcissistic traits, period. 
And I'm talking here about uh, children who are consistently praised or put on a pedestal by their peers will develop a sense of entitlement. So those are the that's the cultural piece in the development or the trajectory of a narcissistic personality. What about the psychological factors? Low self-esteem. Narcissistic traits can develop as a defense mechanism against underlying low self-esteem. Narcissists may use grandiosity and arrogance to mask feelings of inadequacy and insecurity. Coping, coping mechanisms. Now look, for some, narcissism becomes a coping mechanism for dealing with rejection, criticism, or even trauma. The belief in one's superiority can help shield against the emotional pain of perceived failure. Remember, we talked about the fragile self-esteem. Then into the mix comes genetic and personality and biological factors. Some studies suggest that there may be a genetic component to narcissism. Certain genetic factors may contribute to personality traits associated with narcissism. Neuroscientific research has indicated that brain, the brain regions, which are accountable for empathy and self-reflection, may be less active in individuals with narcissistic traits, potentially due to differences in brain structure and function. So there is another component. Yet another component to narcissism and its trajectory would be reinforcement and feedback what we call in psychology the positive feedback loop. Narcissistic behaviors can be reinforced over time through positive feedback and admiration from others. The more admiration a person receives, the more they may feel justified in their grandiose selfie. And what about lack of consequences? If narcissistic behaviors have not met with negative consequences, individuals may continue to exhibit these traits. Narcissistic traits exist on a spectrum ranging from healthy self-esteem to narcissistic personality disorder or what we call NPD. So I'm underscoring the fact that it's on a continuum, it's a spectrum. So what we're talking about is a full-blown narcissistic personality disorder, but we have on that spectrum different gradations, different ways of looking at traits, okay? While some people may, may display narcissistic traits throughout their lives, others may experience changes in these traits in time, influenced by life events, therapy, or personal growth. So if you, you're not a full-blown narcissist as such, you can experience changes, and that's the good news, okay? So I'm saying recognizing the factors that contribute to the development of narcissistic personality traits could help inform strategies for managing and interacting with individuals who display these behaviors. Because remember, they're going to display a charming facade that's quite engaging. But there are red flags that we can look for. For example, self-importance, expecting preferential treatment, being insensitive to others' needs, at work, taking credit for others' work, being manipulative, for example, having superficial relationships, a sheer disregard for rules and norms, because that's for the rest of us, not for them. 
They tend to interrupt conversation to redirect focus on themselves because they come first. And the constant craving for attention and expecting favors without reciprocity, those are some of the things that you want to look for. And that's right across the board, be it romantic relations, uh, relationship with friends who are showing some of these traits at work, at home. So if it's happening at work, and it could occur with your employee or your employer, okay? What are you supposed to do? Well, I say document. Document the critical incidents. Keep a detailed record of what's happening so that you can use this when you are reporting the case or seeking help with a higher authority or going to HR with this issue. Because I tell you, it can be very intractable at times. It can be difficult. As I mentioned, swimming with barracudas. Set boundaries. Setting boundaries, I think, is crucial in all relationships, not just with a narcissistic personality. But be very clear. This is as far as I'm going to go. No, you just crossed a line. And that takes me to yet another thing that we need to do in all relationships, not just with narcissists, but learn to be assertive. Be clear as to what you expect, show respect, but be clear as well that this is as far as the gravy train goes. No more. Okay. And be aware that you want to self-regulate. By that, I mean regulate your emotions. Do not react with emotion. Be very clear. This is what we're talking about because they're going to be drama queens with you. I told you they'll blame. They'll turn it around so that they're in the right and you're in the wrong. So what are you going to do in a situation like that? I think it's very important to regulate your emotional control and not react. Uh, practice active listening. Be consistent. Discuss it with trusted colleagues so that you get the validation you require because you won't get it with a narcissist. I Trust me, it, it won't happen. And try and get conflict resolution with HR, I'm talking about at work, or with someone else who can help you demarcate boundaries. If it's happening at home, practice self-care above all. Do things that will self-soothe. Do things that will help you feel better about yourself. And again, everything that I just mentioned will be appropriate to use at home. But remember, the difference between work and home is we can leave work at work. But home is insidious. This is going to continue. It's important. Is it going to count in 10 years, as I say to my patients? Yes. Can I change it? I say yes. But how do we change it? Again, being assertive. Pick your battles. Pick the ones that are going to be important. Don't overreact. And if all else fails, seek counseling. Family therapy works, believe it or not. If it's in your primary relationship, think of safety first. And I'm talking about if you're with a, a manipulative partner, and you're constantly being put down, and you're the subject of mental abuse, what are you going to do then? Seek the law. Seek protection. Because as I said, if you're dealing with a full-blown narcissist, isn't going to work. Nothing you do is going to work except my other D, a divorce. And that's unfortunate, but it is true. It's serious, Okay. Because mental abuse, as I say, is a scar that's invisible. And a lot of people suffer with this, not just females, but males as well. And how do you deal with it? Sometimes you've got to say, is this worth it for me? 
Is this affecting my self-esteem, my sense of self? Because we are all born with high self-esteem. And why am I putting up with this? What's it saying about me? How can I change? Perhaps I need to deal with my intrapersonal relationship or my relationship with myself by going and seeking professional help to find out what's this all about. Is it codependence? Is it some uh, should in my life? We should stay together till death do us part. Well, you are dying. I told you, you're swimming with Barracuda. You're going to get bitten. And I am being serious today because it is a serious issue. And it's one in which people don't see it. But picture, if you will, you're in a cast from your big toe right up to your neck. You can't move. You're immobile. And then you start questioning your self-worth. Listen, that's serious, okay? Here are some other questions that you might want to ask yourself. Am I seeking support? Or am I keeping it all within myself? Am I going to friends, family, a parish priest, someone for some help? Am I practicing self-care? When you're with a narcissist, guys, it's important to keep your self-disclosure superficial because they're going to use it against you. And it's going to come to bite you and you know where. So keep the conversation superficial. Don't disclose too much about your Achilles heels because that's going to come back at you. That's what they do. And accept the fact that they are not going to change. They're fine. They're quite content being who they are. You need to change. So what are you going to do about it? And I'm talking about the full-blown narcissist. And you become a victim. And I'm worried about that because it happens a lot. And that's why I'm doing this podcast today. Especially if you're in Canada, we're talking about Thanksgiving. And this is my gift to you today. It's so important to take back your power. So think about ways in which you get triggered by them, how you get destabilized, and what you can do to take back your power. They don't want you to succeed. Be aware of that. They might give you fancy words like, I'm so sorry, I didn't realize this. Uh-uh. Those are just words. Focus on the behaviors, please. And they be aware too that they only their only frame of reference is there. So if they give you something, don't say to me, "Well, you know, they gave me a gift." Oh yeah, but what were the strings attached to it? They'll typically say, "I did this for you, so now you owe me something back." Right? Is that unconditional positive regard? I don't think so. Unless you're seeing the pink pigs flying in my office right now, I don't think so. So be aware of that, guys. And also be aware of the fact that your vulnerabilities go deep. And there might be things you need to ask yourself about yourself right now so that you can say to yourself, okay, I'm going to give myself a gift today. I'm going to give thanks to myself today by taking back my power, taking back my self-esteem, by treating them with respect and desisting takes two to have that fight, right? You're not going to knock sense into their heads because from their point of view, you're the problem. And remember, the law of reciprocity does not exist with them. Not because you're kind to them do you think they're going to give it back to you. Not unless you see the pink pigs flying in my office. I don't think so. It's not going to happen, okay, guys? So what am I saying today? 
I'm giving you hope. I'm saying to you, you can do something about it, especially if it's just a trait. And if it's just a trait, in other words, it's just, it's not a full-blown narcissist you're dealing with. My advice to you right now, and I am giving advice, is to go seek professional help, please. Take yourself and the person to a therapist. And above all, if that doesn't work, ask yourself one question. What's in this relationship for me? you got to count. You've got to be important too. So what are you going to be, like the Lone Ranger? Remember the time when the Lone Ranger says to Tonto, let's go to town? And what does Tonto say? Tonto says, not go, not go, not going to get beat up no more. And I don't want you to get beat up no more. Bye now. That's it for this, Alan. Any questions? Sure do. Yeah, is it treatable? Is uh, a full-blown narcissist, is it treatable? Can a person change? No. And unless you're dyslexic, I didn't say it's on. I said no. If it's a full-blown narcissist, they are not going to change. Because of the premises that I gave you on DSM, one of the premises is they see everything in relation to themselves. There are brain dysfunctions going on from, from a neuroscientific point of view. There's the the culture that's also involved, There's it's like a layer cake. There's so many reasons why it's not going to happen. And that's why I say if it's a trait, if it's on a continuum, on a spectrum, and they're showing some traits, yes, definitely, let's let's treat that. But if it, it it's a case of a full-blown narcissist thinking to himself, well, the wife, here's a case, the wife is uh, going to seek a divorce and it's going to cost me my shirt, so let's go for counseling. He will do what he needs to say and do to preserve his net worth. That doesn't mean he's going to change. And that's why you need a skilled therapist to tease out the muddy waters, to focus on what's really going on, what's what's another layer on that layer cake, because there are many layers. So my point to you is, if it's a full-blown narcissist, narcissist personality disorder, it's not going to change. You go and look at uh, this woman whom I really like, this psychologist, Dr. Romani talks about it. And she makes it very clear to her listeners, they're not going to change. And I think I'd be doing a disservice to our listeners today to give you false hope and say they're going to change. The only person who can change is you. And you need to dig deep within yourself and ask yourself, what's in it for me? And there are many answers that are going to come up from that that need and warrant psychological introspection. You're just Describing somebody that uh, is in my sphere of people I know, almost to a T, and I always put it down to selfishness. What's your comment on that? Extreme selfishness. Well, that that nails it. You just nailed it on the head because, as I said before, a narcissist is manipulative and sees everything in relation to himself. So, of course, selfishness is part of it because it's the ego of the self. I'm going to worship God, but my, the God I'm worshiping is me. <laughs> not the God up there or wherever, it's me and I come first and I will manipulate you. I will tell you that you need to send sell me that classic car for less than it's worth today because I deserve it. 
but I am special and you are nothing. You just have to do this for me. But I won't say it to you in those blunt terms. Remember, they are very self-effacing. They're very smooth in the way they present. So in fact, they could hood, hoodwink you and you don't even realize it. You think you're doing them a favor in the end because they're very elegant and sophisticated. They're charming people, by the way. That brings me to entitlement. They are entitled because they're privileged and different than you and I. So they are entitled to these things. And you'd be amazed to know how many of us can become victims and fall victims to their manipulative ways. And that's why this podcast is so important for our listeners to learn, to get a handle on it, because it's a trait that's been bandied around like gaslighting. And I, I call it psychobabble, actually, you know, that we use these terms as lay people, but we really don't know what we're talking about. And I want people to be uh, empowered today. This is my gift for Thanksgiving to our listeners, that they can learn what it is and what to do about it. Because if you demarcated boundaries and you were assertive and you started practicing self-care, your self-worth goes up incrementally. Their power decreases. So that's a really nice distribution of power in which you start feeling okay. Because you know, if you tell them or you confront them, all hell is going to break loose because they're going to unleash it on you and blame you. And before you know it, you're saying, mea culpa, mea maxima culpa, I am so sorry. You, you take the blame, and you really shouldn't, but you do, because that's how they can chop you down, like that. And that needs to stop. Sounds to me like you've given very sound advice to people that are in close proximity of someone who's a full-blown narcissist. Essentially, you need to get them out of your life. Yes. That's exactly what I'm saying. And that's your gift to yourself. But I'm also underscoring that if it is not, it's on a spectrum, okay? So if you're dealing with a person with just some of the traits, there is hope. Listen to what I said we should do, okay? Demarcate boundaries. Be assertive. Start record keeping. Go for counseling. Do Practice self-care. Ask yourself, what's in this relationship for me? Should we stop it should we do something about it those are the things we should do but now we must stop uh, very well put uh, if people want more information how can they get it uh, on your website yes they can go on my website on the website as well we have a thanksgiving uh, letter and also a blog for october and in november we'll have one on remembrance day www.kneehall.com well, I want to thank you, Dr. Joan Meehall, for this very enlightening session. So until next time, thank you very much for being with us, and we'll see you next time. Thank you. Okay. Bye, everyone. Thank you for joining this discussion on happiness. We hope this helps to inspire you to lead a more joyful life. To dive deeper into the subject of happiness, be sure to check out Dr. Nihal's book, Happy is the New Healthy, available as an ebook or hardcover. For additional resources, visit our website at drneehall.com. Until next time, stay happy.